0: Joy to the world. We sang it. Right? The angels basically are saying that. Celebrating the birth of God's Son. In a way we wouldn't expect. It is a sign because it is very unusual to find a baby in a manger. In a feeding trough. No room in the inn. And it's unusual the people... That the angel goes to. The shepherds out in the field. Rather than the the kings and those in authority. But the message is one of joy. Celebration. I mean the angels can't hold back. The announcement. Then they're all appearing in the sky and celebrating. About this one who has come. Who will bring joy to his people. Without fail. You were created for joy. You weren't created to walk around like you've been baptized in pickle juice. You were created for joy. And great joy. Not just a little dose of joy. God created us to have great joy. What is the chief end of man? To To glorify God and to... Be bored by him forever. Piper would shift it a little bit to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Notice your what is what does it mean, our chief end? That's your purpose. That's what you were created for. Who am I and why am I here? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You were created for joy, but something happened. That interrupted that joy. Joy was forfeited in the garden. In Genesis 3 we have the fall. And you can go read about Adam and Eve. And they're deciding to disown God and His authority. To become their own authority. And to seek wisdom and, and things outside of His will. And, and according to their own thinking. Uh, spurred on and tempted by the evil one they gave in. And they fell away from joy. <laughs> They fell away from God. They fell into sin. They rebelled and lost both God and His benefits. One of which is great joy. But God. Aren't you thankful that He didn't leave it there? God didn't leave us there. He sent His Son to deliver us, according to this text, and to bring us great joy. Joy, to restore us to joy. Rightly knowing God through Christ and enjoying His salvation should produce in our lives joyful celebration in Christ. And we're taking from, borrowing from the tradition of Advent. There are typically four topics. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And Corey will preach, so pray for him, Corey will preach next, next week uh, on love. But we've looked at hope and we've looked at peace, and today from this text we'll we'll look at joy and see that great joy is promised and delivered by the birth of Jesus Christ. Main point, great joy is promised and delivered in the birth of of God's son Jesus Christ. But look the first point we're looking at 2 verses set in context by the reading verses 10 and 11 and the 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 message of the angel and we've already seen that they the angel has appeared the angel of the lord has appeared to shepherds out in the field and the glory of the lord is all around them and the old king james says i love this they were sore afraid they were so they were so afraid it hurt. And you would be too. I mean, night after night, you're out in the field with these sheep and, and it's dark and it's just what it is. And all of a sudden, angels. But look first at the promise of joy in verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. They always say that, don't they? You know why? Why? they're kind of scary if you know they they these angels i mean these these shepherds were sore afraid for a reason i mean this is an awesome sight and they don't know why they're there i mean did they come to just wipe them out but the angels seeking to set them at rest it says fear not don't be afraid not not in this way not this terror because i didn't i came for to deliver good news to you. It says the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and he said to them, Fear not, but behold, I bring for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy. Maybe, maybe the 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 the, the adrenaline and the heart rate and the, the fear is beginning to 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 quell a bit as the angel assures them that His presence is to bless them and not to destroy them. But He says to them, He says this, He says, I bring you good news of great joy. I find it interesting that the angels were the first ones to preach good news of the coming of Christ to shepherds. In a field. And we have that recorded. But this is good news of great joy. First of all. What is joy? Well if you look up the word. It's gladness. Cheerfulness. Or I love this. It said a calm delight. It's a settled state. Biblical joy is a settled state of contentment. Confidence. And hope. It's a settled state of contentment. Confidence. And hope. A settled enjoyment of God that's not dependent upon the circumstances. It's not that the feeling is all that different from what we know as earthly joy and happiness. But it's just, it has a different root. It has a different focus and it goes deeper. And is more abiding. Because, I mean, we all want joy. We all want to enjoy things, right? And sometimes we're raised in a legalistic environment and we think it's a sin to enjoy anything. You just ought to be dour until you die. But no, this angel said he's coming to bring a message about joy. About a message that will bring gladness and cheerfulness and and a settled, calm, delight and contentment. A confidence and hope that endures through the, the, the waves of the trials of this life. So how do we get that? And there's a hint here. How do we get this joy that we want, this abiding joy, the joy that never leaves us if we grow in it, never leaving us as we believe God and apply his word. But how we get that, it says this right right here, and and you might miss it. it. It would be easy to miss it, but he says, I bring you good news of great joy. And the construction there, the English uses that little word of to to to. What we know is the possessive case, but it's used as far more than that in Greek. And sometimes it, the the way things are put together, it's it's showing us a result or or a, a product of what came before. Something, something's going to be produced by something else. It's going to bring in something else kind of what's being conveyed here the niv gets it right right it says i bring you good news watch this that will cause great joy for all the people what causes the great joy is the good news that the angel is bringing what 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 causes the great joy to to be there and to abide is an unchanging thing it's the good news of jesus christ And so to the extent that God is our vision, that Christ is our vision, that we are staying calibrated to the gospel, we can walk in this abiding joy that the angel is talking about. The good news here, when believed, will cause great joy. And notice it doesn't just say joy. This is mega joy. Great joy. This is big joy. this is something to be celebrated and we'll talk more about that but see we have to unravel it a little bit because he's he said in verse 10 i'm bringing you good news of great joy which is for all the people you know certainly all of israel you know all of the world there's one gospel for the whole world and it's a gospel that brings when rightly embraced it brings great joy I was convicted this week. I so easily let life steal my great joy. I so easily let life get between me and Jesus. God is not my vision. My circumstances are my vision. And then I, you, f- you feel that grousing rising up, don't you? Maybe none of y'all can relate to that. <clears throat> There's good news about Something that's going to give us great joy. Because at this point, he only said, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. I'm going to bring you some good news that will produce in you great joy. And it's for everybody. So the question should be, good news about what? Remember, these are these are shepherds out in the field. They have no idea what's going on. They just, these angels have appeared and said, I'm going to tell you something that's going to bring great joy. I'm going to give you some good news. And the the thing you'd want to know is, what is it give it to me who is this about what is this about why are why is heaven celebrating tonight and it's burst through into creation is it right to celebrate the birth of Christ it must be
1: angels are doing it
0: why is the sky filled with angels so we transition from the promise of great joy, point one, to the person of great joy. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, so the reason you're here is you're telling us about a birth, and not just any birth. There's a birth in the city of David. There's a birth that is a big deal. There's the birth of a Savior. God is keeping His covenant. One of David's descendants will be on the throne forever. And all those temporary ones pointed forward to Jesus, who is the fulfillment of God's promises and God's covenant with David. And the angel said that the great joy message is that in the city a Savior is born. What is a savior? It's one who delivers, one who rescues, one who comes to our aid in the midst of our trouble and delivers us. Remember Genesis 3 what we'd lost, humankind in Adam falling into sin, rejecting God. Being dead in sin and trespasses. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. We've broken every one of His commandments to shreds. We deserve nothing but rejection, wrath, separation from God. And yet there's one coming who is going to deliver us from that. And the angel is saying, that one who was coming has been born. The Savior, Jesus, who delivers the slaves of sin who were His enemy, He has been born. His very name means salvation. You know, Jesus' Hebrew name is Joshua. Jesus is the Greek form of that, right? But Joshua, Yeshua means Yahweh is salvation. Yeshua means the Lord is salvation. Yeshua HaMashiach. You may have heard that. Jesus the Messiah. Joshua the Messiah. They said the Savior has been born. Who is, watch this. Christ the Lord. Again, we're we're coming from Greek with Christ, which basically is the same as Hebrew Messiah. So the, the, the shepherds are being told, Your Messiah has been born. Okay, now... They start to freak out. The promised Messiah, the one we've been waiting on, maybe some bad thoughts or some not so straightened out thoughts. You see that commonly in the Bible that the one who's going to come put the boot to the Romans. But the Messiah that is promised is born today. This, this one who was born in the city of David, who is a savior, who is Christ the Lord. Greek word, curios, used to translate the we've studied the tetragrammaton, Yahweh, the four, four Hebrew consonants that make up the name of God. There's one who's been born in the city of David who is God and man and He is is the Savior. He is the Messiah you have been hoping for and expecting is here tonight. And I think this joy starts to rise up in them. And if you read on, and I'll let you do that with your families, and I know most of you do around Christmas. Um, You even get the story if you watch Charlie Brown. Sam mentioned that. The old Charlie Brown Christmas. Linus will read this Christmas story to you. They go and see and they find and they find and they tell Mary and Joseph what the angels had told them, and everybody is encouraged that the one who, think about that, lying in that manger is the Lord. While he's lying in a manger, he's holding the stars in place. All things held together by the word of His power. Hebrews 1. This is a big deal and a big announcement. And God is showing out with His angels in the sky. Lighting things up. Saying, the one that you have been hoping for has come. The Savior that you need has come. The Messiah that you've been hoping for has come. Who is Lord even in the manger. The one to which all of the Old Testament pointed. Just a few verses. I mentioned Genesis 3. But even after the fall into sin and God preaching the, the, the first kernel of the gospel to them, after clothing them in skins and their sacrifice going on, all picturing the, the redemption in Christ. But in Genesis 3.15, God to the serpent basically says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now watch. He, her offspring, the coming one, Jesus, He shall bruise or crush your head and you shall bruise His heel. In the process of the Messiah who would come being injured, not killed forever, He rose from the grave, He would destroy the work. Of the evil one. So the gospel was even preached. Jack out of the box. Right after the fall in Genesis 3. By God. <laughs> saying what he was going to accomplish. In his son. In his covenant. Isaiah 7.14. I could quote so many scriptures. But Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And she shall call his name. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The virgin, you know what the word for virgin means? Virgin. It's not simply just a young girl. It means virgin. And it's not why Mary questioned, how is this going to happen, Lord? Because, you know, no man has ever touched me. This is a miraculous birth in fulfillment to Scripture. God the Son, taking on a true human nature, nature to come and fulfill the law we have broken, die to pay the penalty for our sin and be raised from the grave. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what that means? God with us. In a manger, not in a palace. Announcement made to the humble, the shepherds. And yet, God's timing and his methods. Are perfect genesis 4 4 and 5 watch this when the fullness of time had come you know what that means exactly the right time the time predicted the time foreordained or predestined the time god had set aside and exactly that time the fulfillment of the time had come when the fullness of time time had come god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law but He's on a mission to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as His children, as sons. See, He's come to save us from our sin. That is our biggest problem. Your biggest problem is not your boss or your parents or your schoolmates or the bully or, or whatever. When we come into this world, our biggest part problem is that we are part of the rebellion against God. And that's the black hat rebellion. We are in need of a Savior. Isaiah says, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. We cannot save ourselves. The wages of sin is death. Separation from God. Physical death as well as spiritual death. Hell. Condemnation wrath that's what we deserve and see when we own that when we agree with God in his judgment of us when we see our condition before God and what we deserve then we're on the 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 platform for grace we're ready for grace then Because Jesus came to deliver us from a just wrath. To deliver us into everlasting life. Everlasting joy. Everlasting hope. Everlasting peace. Everlasting love. And if, if we get both of those. That this is what I deserve. But God sent His Son to take what I deserve. To take the wrath due me on the cross. And because He was God and man, He could drink it dry there. He settled the accounts by taking the hell due me on Himself, and He said it is finished before He gave up His Spirit. So I deserve condemnation, but Jesus took my condemnation and has given to me His righteousness and therefore eternal life. And is with me and for me, never to leave me nor forsake me, but to take me all the way home to the new heavens and the new earth. If I embrace that and it doesn't produce in me great joy, Something is wrong. But if God is my vision, if Christ is my vision, if the Word is my interpreter of God and life and all things, it shows me the truth about myself and it shows me the truth about Christ. And although I deserve rejection and condemnation, I have love and acceptance and forgiveness because of Him. Because He was born and lived and died and was raised from the grave. I get forgiveness and eternal life. It takes humility to receive that, but it's a humility God works in us through the preaching of the gospel. So that we will despair of all hope in ourselves and anything of us and place all of our hope in Jesus for eternal life. You mean I am freely and fully forgiven? And that God meant to do that. It wasn't a mistake. You mean I am, I am clothed in Jesus' righteousness? His righteous record was credited to me. Because mine was obliterated. My sinful record was obliterated on the cross with Jesus. And so when God looks at me. He sees Christ in His perfection. And has adopted me on that basis. And all I have to look forward to. to, look forward to is life with Him eternal joy with Him. And that I even have purpose in this life to be light and salt for Him. I get to do what the angels joyfully did and tell people about His birth. See, the Gospel produces the joy that is a calm, abiding delight in our soul. It is produced by the Holy Spirit. This joy is a little different in that it is part of the list of the fruits of the Spirit. It's what God, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to life in faith and works in us through the Word. And the Holy Spirit produces this kind of joy. And it's a growing joy in the life of those who trust in Christ. See, when we're in the new heavens and the new earth, the great joy that we're talking about will be perfect. It will be forever. And it won't be boring. (laughs) Life on a level you've never imagined. Fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, purpose on a level you've never imagined. But now we have this, this great joy in us and growing in us and abiding longer with us the more we are immersed in who our Savior is and and, and knowing Him and, and viewing all reality through the truth of Him. The more I'll have this, even in the midst of the storm, the more I'll have this calm delight that is produced by the Spirit because I'm looking to Christ. I'm not denying reality. It's not, it's not real. It's just that there's a whole lot more going on than the things I can see. And that God has promised, even this trouble that I don't like, that I'm in the midst of, He's promised to make that work for me. To make me like Jesus. But He's with me and for me. And I'm I'm hidden in Him. And seated in the heavenly places with Him. It is finished. See Jesus came. To save us from our sin. To deliver us from from wrath. To deliver us into everlasting joy. Hope, peace and love. A couple of quotes for you. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. There is only one thing that can give true joy. And that is contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what contemplation is, right? Meditating on, thinking about, pondering on the Lord Jesus Christ as He's revealed in Scripture. Not as we feel. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my every desire. He and His great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in Him I am complete. You can read that in Colossians. Joy, in other words, is the response and reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the great joy the angel said the message would bring is embraced and found through a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A knowing about him, yes, from how he's revealed in Scripture, but an embracing of him as my Savior, my Deliverer, my Lord. Alfred Prummer says it this way Joy is that serene happiness. Now, listen, who among us does not want a serene happiness in our soul? There's something wrong with you if you don't. There's something wrong with me if I don't. I mean, I know some people seem to enjoy just being down and grumpy. But they've lost sight or don't have sight of Christ and who He is for them joy is that serene happiness which is the result of conscious watch this conscious union with god what does that mean well i'm in union with god in christ but i am conscious of it i am it's in the forefront of my mind the salvation that is mine is in christ of conscious possession of eternal life which raises us above the pain and sorrow and remorse notice he didn't say it makes all the pain and sorrow and remorse go away in this life it rises us above them helps us to put them in perspective helps us to see them through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for me listen your default setting is to get up every morning and see this stuff as the most real circumstances what you're going through that's the most real thing and if God loved me he would change this because I could be happy if God would just and I'm telling you God has just in Jesus you heard the old quote I've said it before maybe some of you hadn't heard it anonymous said if you gave me God's power you'd see how much I would change but if you gave me his wisdom too You would see how I left everything exactly the same. What I don't, not, I don't need, in order to be happy, I don't need a change in my circumstances. I'm preaching as much to me as I am to you. Please embrace this because Jesus is real with us. He said, In this life, you will have it easy. In this life, you will have trouble. But don't worry, I'll take it away. Is that what he said? Nope. In this life, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome. See, my good cheer has to come from him. The gospel needs to raise me above my circumstances and help me see as hard and painful as it is. How there's a God orchestrating all this for His glory and promises to work it out for my good. So that I can walk in His peace, in His hope, in His joy, in His love. I can have great joy in the midst of intense suffering if my focus is in the right place. Remember, biblical joy is a calm delight in the soul that is produced by the Spirit as we look to and trust in Christ. It says nothing about how, as things change. And, and I just want to be real with you because sometimes the holidays are some of the hardest days for people. Because we miss people. We miss how things used to be. We wish it were different. We sometimes don't even understand why we're feeling down. But if we're not careful, we just sit there. In the midst of the the yuck of life. And say, why? Instead of letting the Gospel raise us above the yuck and trust it to God and rejoice in the hope that we have in Jesus. Because whatever it is you're missing, that's not your greatest need or you'd have it. It's easy for me to say. It's harder to practice. But the more my heart, the eyes of my heart are on Jesus and the good news that is mine in Him, the more I'll have this great joy. And listen here, you know you're getting it when not when things are easy and you have great joy. You know you're beginning to get it when things are hard and you're starting to experience this joy in the midst of the hardness. And if you're not, what's the first thing we should do? We should cry out to God, right? Lord, I... I know this is what your word says, but right now I'm feeling pretty bad. And I pray that you would help me. But don't do this. Don't pray for God to help you and then just sit back and look inside to see if He did. Pray for God to help you and look away from yourself to who Christ is for you. And get out of your situation to serve those around you. Because often that will bring a measure healing but when we truly understand who we are without him and we grasp who he is and what he's done for us our delight then rises comes from above it comes from an unchanging place it comes above our circumstances from him and his truth to us and it anchors our soul in the glories of heaven where christ sits and reigns for us then, from that perspective, we're able to do what Paul tells us to do. Which, you know, what Paul tells us to do is what God tells us to do. And to some of us, this seems unreasonable. Just like saying, be thankful for everything. The Word says that. Even the hard stuff. Be thankful for it. Why? Because God's in control. And He's using it to make you like Jesus. To accomplish His purpose. Paul says in Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. You know what that means? Always. And then what happens in Scripture when something's repeated, what is it? It's emphasis, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Have joy. Always anchor it above here in the throne of heaven where your Savior sits. And you can do that. Because if we focus down here, at best, our, our our experience of joy is going to be this roller coaster. When things are going well, ha ha yay! Down in the dump, why? Or some most of the time we just live in the middle land between those two, don't we? There's an interesting Old Testament prophet you can read, Habakkuk. Habakkuk was struggling with a few things, and he making some complaints against God. And why doesn't God judge Judah? Oh, but not by that wicked nation Babylon. How? In other words, Habakkuk wasn't real pleased with how God was ordering the universe. He wasn't real pleased about how God was dealing with evil. And he had to come around, much like the psalmist, to seeing things from a heavenly perspective instead of an earthly perspective. And I can't summarize even the whole book, but I'm going to read part of the end of the book and let you go read the rest of it and it'll be a blessing to you. But he says this, and this this examines me. Let it examine you. Because this is a heavenly mindset right here. Watch this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Though the cabinets are bare, and the refrigerator is empty, and the car won't run, and this person's no longer here. And this thing I hope for just obviously is not coming. Though nothing in life seems to be working out, and I don't understand how you're dealing with evil. Look what he says. Though all that stuff be true, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy, not in His circumstances. Look, but I will take joy where? Where? in the god of my salvation if we take joy from the god of our salvation if the per, if the if the motivator for our joy is christ and who he is for us guess what that never changes that's an eternal immutable abiding truth of our blessing in christ and then from that can flow our joy in him this great joy the angel was talking about even though, what Habakkuk is saying, even though all of my circumstances are bleh, I'm going to get above that. And I'm going to take joy in you. And I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust in you. Because if you've come to live for me and die for me and be raised for me, if you have come to deal with my sin and my separation from God, what good thing will you hold, withhold from me? The answer is nothing. So Habakkuk getting his attitude adjustment (laughs) from God in his word says, though everything is terrible, I'm yet going to rejoice in the Lord and take joy in the God of my salvation. Do that, Jeff. Mike. Sean. Others. The prescription for great joy is focusing far above this world on Christ who is reigning for you so just a few points of application and I'm through but we have to recalibrate this every morning because we wake up legalists and we wake up selfish and we wake up circumstance bound and if we don't get up and remind ourselves of the gospel truths then we're going to go through our day like that and boy isn't that going to be fun Great joy first is found in rehearsing the gospel, in reminding ourselves of both our unworthiness and His great grace. It's a bad sign if you're unwilling to, you're willing to embrace grace, but not your unworthiness. Right? Nothing in me commended me to God. I have nothing on which I could base my hope for eternal life. All I deserved was judgment, but Christ came to save me. And brought great grace, which brings great joy. So it's right to celebrate Christ coming and His birth every morning. You better, you better celebrate your Savior on a daily basis, and on a weekly basis when we gather. This is the one day of week when we gather together and we are recalibrated by the truth and have the world's lies fall away. Hopefully, the truth that is ours in Christ. But listen, I say this quickly. There's a lot of debate in the reform world and other places about things like this. It is right to celebrate the birth of Christ yearly. <laughs> it's right to celebrate the Incarnation. I mean, the angels were doing it. How can it be wrong? Well, I'll leave it to you and your family on what that list and how that looks. Um, but it's right. You know, just because pagans do certain things in certain ways don't mean we... Can't do even the same things for different reasons. Pagans brush their teeth. Please do that as well. <laughs> but for the glory of God, right? So there's this, 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 this whole just controversy can just sack, suck the joy out of, out of us if we're not careful. But it's right to celebrate. And the, the most important thing of what I just said is for you to celebrate every day. To remember the Gospel every day. And to have that recalibrate your joy, even in the midst of your suffering, because that's what's most important. Secondly, coming from this text, great joy is also found in speaking of our King's coming. Or I said comings here, two of them. He he has come and He is coming. Joy to the World is a song mostly about the second coming. Did you know that? Not the first. No more let thorns and thistles, far as the curse is found, all that's removed. It's good that we want to think about both as we celebrate. But great joy is found in speaking about our King's comings, in speaking the Gospel to the others. Notice the joy the angels had in getting to deliver that message. And the ones in the background just couldn't, they couldn't wait to come be part of that. I, I, I can remember first coming to Christ and working in a, in a computer company. We were in a business office and, and all of this thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about my salvation and I want to talk to people about Jesus, but I don't really know how to do that. And, and this, this guy comes in and God just orchestrated the circumstances and we started talking about Christ and things start coming out of my mouth. The scriptures I didn't even remember then, that I knew. I mean, I had read them, obviously. But He was bringing them to mind and I was witnessing to this guy. And then when all that was over, man, I was, I was almost on cloud nine. Because I got to talk about Jesus to somebody who didn't know Him. And it, it, the Spirit produced this joy. Now sometimes you go away from encounters like that discouraged because you think, if I'd have just said this and if I'd have just said that. Well, let the sovereignty of God remove all that from you. Right? And tell them about Jesus. But there's joy in talking about Jesus. Even if people reject it. I mean, the guy we were talking to that morning was like, yeah, I don't know about all this. I think I'm okay. I'm like, dude, you're not okay. And being a brand new Christian, I was probably a little bit of John the Baptist on him. I don't remember. but But there was joy coming from witnessing. And then lastly, the last thing I want to mention this great joy this gospel fuels our faithfulness as we focus on Christ and on his second coming i mean peter talks about that since all this stuff's going to be burned up what kind of people in holiness and godliness ought we to be so hoping in his second coming fuels our faithfulness when there, there's coming a day when christ returns that no more sin no more misery no more sorrow no more death fullness of joy forever In and with Him. Read Revelation 21. I'll leave that to you. But the new heavens and the new earth are coming. There's a problem on this earth. And we can clearly see it. And it's sin and the misery that attends it. And someday that's going to be removed. And we'll have a king, one king from shore to shore. And we'll all delight for it to be so. The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth. As we sang... Every inch of this universe belongs to you, O Christ. For through you and for you it was made. But when He comes, we'll be set free. We'll be completely like Him. First John 3, 1-3 See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God and so we are. Through Christ. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But watch the confidence. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope, or who thus hopes in Him, purifies himself as He is pure. When Jesus comes back, bang, I will be like Him. What does that mean? It's a the process of salvation is over. Glorify Fully set free. I mean, he's, His arms are open to us. He's coming back for us. How do you think about Jesus? I mean, are His arms open to you or is just this, this mean snarl on His face looking at you? Grace will set you free to embrace his, his love for you and to walk in the great joy He's provided. Joy to the world. Jesus has come. And He is coming again. We have been inaugurated into His joy. And we walk in His joy. And grow in walking in His joy. As we trust Him and seek Him where He may be found. As we seek to have His word shape our hope and expectation. So that our hearts are focused on Him above our circumstances. And then we can walk in His joy. Have you noticed that every one of these sermons? Hope. Peace. Now joy, next week love, is pushing us to know our God and to know His Word so that we can walk in what He's provided. It won't just, sorry, there's no USB port. These are your USB ports. Read it. Pray through it. Know your God. And the more that you do, the more you'll walk in this kind of growing great joy and peace in the midst of life's struggles. But we have much to celebrate in His first coming and to anticipate in His second coming because He has died for our sins. According to the Scriptures, He is bar- was buried and He was raised the third day from the dead, proving the Gospels true. He has ascended and is reigning for His church to see the Gospel go to the ends of the earth. And He's coming back someday to receive us unto Himself. And as we sang, let earth receive her King. Because He is the King of joy. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we praise You this morning that You have solved our greatest dilemma. That You are our salvation. That You have delivered us. You did not wait for us to deliver ourselves. We could not. You sent Your Son at just the right time. Born of a woman. Born under Your law. To fully and completely keep that law. Not because He needed to, but because we needed that perfect record. And then He died and paid the penalty for our sins, suffered the wrath we deserve, and drank that cup dry and was raised on the third day, giving salvation freely to those who will receive Him. Help us to not only receive Christ, but to walk with Christ and to keep our hearts focused on Christ. To live above our circumstances with the Gospel being our glasses, with You being our vision, seeing everything through the grace that is ours in Christ. So help us to walk in this great joy that You've provided. And Lord, we can't do it alone, so help us not to isolate when we're struggling, but to seek out community. And help us to encourage one another and strengthen one another and pray with and for one another and help one another. To keep our hearts fixed on You. And to grow in walking in this joy that You have provided. Thank You. Thank You. For Your salvation in Christ. Save and sanctify Your people. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.